Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Truckers Podcast. I'm your host, Doug, from Ontario, Canada. It is the 3rd of March, 2022 at 8.30 p.m. Thank you for joining me. Should bail be granted? We'll discuss that. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining me, ladies and gentlemen. Thursday. Well, we got over hump day. Tomorrow, Friday, coming into the weekend, which we all enjoy. I most certainly do. Because throughout the work week, oh my God, I just pull in killer hours and that and by the evening I just become exhausted but I feel good tonight anyways so you know um, come out here on a Thursday evening to do a show which I know you enjoy so the other night there Tuesday I believe It was. I was doing my show. And I had a caller. And uh, he was from Michigan. I guess uh, Michigan uh, is really liking my show. And thank you, Michigan. United States of America and of course all the other states around America because I'll tell you out of all your 50 states approximately 27 out of 50 states to 30 listen to my show and I appreciate that and of course other countries around the world that listen to my show I appreciate that, and I thank you. Now, should bail be granted? So one of the organizers wants a get-out-of-jail-free card. She appeals the bail denial. I guess to a higher court that this organizer did this. Being held without bail on charges of counseling to to commit the offense of mischief and committing mischief. Now this is over the Karen Carnival. 
that was being held in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, the capital of Canada, where this convoy had basically dug itself in, barricaded itself in for weeks on end. So she had this appeal yesterday, I guess. Now, one of the points that she's making here about this is that um, she was appealing before the justice that after, you know, she learned after her bail hearing that her bail judge was a candidate in the 2011 general election for the Liberal Party of Canada. And she also learned that the Liberal leader, Justice Trudeau, the, pre, the Prime Minister of Canada today, praised this judge at the time in 2011, uh, praised her for her candidacy at this time. What the hell does that have to do with anything? She's not... In the Liberal Party, she's a judge. That's who this individual is. See, the problem with this one organizer here, she doesn't like government. She doesn't like the word government. She doesn't like whatever the government stands for. Whether it was the conservative government, an NDP government, the, the Quebec Bloc government, Green Party government, she doesn't like government because she's a Wexit. She's a separatist. She wouldn't be happy with, no matter what the government did or who was pri prime minister of the country. She wouldn't care. She probably doesn't vote. So now she's, you know, trying to pull a, a, a political stunt. She doesn't get it. She really doesn't get it. She says, if she is aware of the information prior to the bail hearing, she would ask my lawyer to request that this judge recruit herself as my bail judge because the protests of, of at the heart of the, cha of the charges, now that she's facing including unequivocal expressions of discontent with Justice Trudeau's office, Prime Minister, that's just bogus. She said the judge has bias and apprehension of bias, this other judge. Right? And the response from from to the question from the Justice Johnson said that not that's this is not the strongest argument she had is seeking a bail review. Now, judges are randomly assigned to hear cases in both the Ontario Court of Justice and the Superior Court of Justice. And this Justice Johnson was appointed to the bench by the Conservative government of Stephen Harper in 2010. And she also was a candidate for the Progressive Conservative in the writing in Leeds-Greenville in the 2000 general election. And she lost to the liberal candidate. 
So, but she has no problem with this judge because she was a candidate for the for the conservative party. But the judge that denied her the bail ran back in 2011 in the in the liberal writing. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host Doug from Ontario, Canada. I hope so far that you're having a good week. It's Thursday, almost Friday's here, going into the weekend. So I'm out here discussing should bail be granted. I'm talking about one of the organizers of this Karen Carnival in Ottawa that this occupation lasted for three weeks. And so far, I think there's about five people that are sitting behind bars. But this one particular one, she was the real boisterous one of the bunch of these organizers. So she had a an appeal hearing because her bail was denied over a week or so ago. And now she's complaining because the judge that denied her bail ran for uh, uh, ran in a riding in, in uh, as a liberal back in 2011. Well, obviously she, you know, she's not in, in, in the liberal party. She is a judge. So she feels that there's some bias there, you know, because, you know, prime minister Trudeau, he's liberal. He's the prime minister of Canada. And she feels she's being wronged, you know, because this judge, you know, ran in a writing in, in the Liberal Party, I guess, wanted to join politics back in 2011. But instead, you know, um, she is a judge. Right? So she gets this. So she's at this hearing yesterday, I guess it was. And her argument is, is that this judge, you know, um, was biased. But now in the Superior Court, so the judge hearing this was appointed to the bench by the conservative government of Stephen Harper back in 2010. And she all, she was a candidate for the progressive conservatives in the 2000 elections. And she lost the election to a liberal candidate. Right? So it's not the point that this judge, because she was going to run and be in the liberal party in 2011, she doesn't like government, period. She doesn't like anything the word means. She doesn't, she doesn't like what the government stands for, whether it's conservative, whether it's the NDP, whether it's the liberals, whether it's the Green Party. She's a Wexit. She's a separatist. This is who she is. So now she's trying to, to pull the political card. And also in her hearing, she is, she is Metis. 
Aboriginal. She's also trying to pull the race card. That she's being, that she wasn't being fairly treated in the courts. That she's being punished. She's not, she's being denied bail because she's Matisse. You can't pull the race card. See, the problem here, ladies and gentlemen, you know, with these organizers is that one of them is a far-right extremist, racist. She's a separatist. There's another one who is a far-right extremist, racist. Two of them, actually, so that's four. So three... Three out of the four are far right, are far right extremist racist. She's a Wexit. She's a separatist. She was the most boisterous of the or- organizers during this um, so-called freedom convoy, Karen Carnival in Ottawa. She went to the table with all the demands. The government must abolish all mandates and lift all restrictions and abolish itself. Or we will not leave. Government doesn't abolish itself. Just doesn't work that way. She wanted the governor general to abolish the government. The governor general does not have the authority to do that. The government just doesn't dissolve itself. Now, there's two ways that a leader of a party could be removed. One, you vote them out. Or two, the members of the party vote them out. And that happened with the conservative leader, Aaron O'Toole. His party voted him out. The governor general can't dissolve government. And then they wanted to form a coalition with the conservative party, the Quebec Bloc, and the governor general. in hopes they would overthrow the government. But a non-official party can't just join the government. It's not how it works. They obviously didn't get any sort of even 101 Lessons in politics. See, terrorists come to the table with demands. You know, 
she, you know, they, they tried to argue that one of them who appeared um, next to her at news conferences and other events during the three-week um, Parliament Hill occupation, it was not a protest, it was an occupation, shared the same views about the Trudeau government that Lynch held. See, Barber, I believe, he is out on bail of $100,000. He put that up himself. He owns a, some sort of business out in Alberta. See, he was charged with counseling to commit mischief as well as counseling to commit the offense of disobeying a court order and counseling to commit the offense of obstructing police. I'm sorry. Yeah, he was released on $100,000 bail and he promised to return to his home in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. Now, Lynch, like I said, she, she is Matisse and she emphasized her Matisse, indigenous in her bail review, something that was not done in her bail hearing. So what do they want the courts to do? Right. So, but you know, she, now she is only, she, she, she's, she's being held, uh, because, uh, her charges are commit to commit mischief and counseling to commit the offense. That's it. That's she's being charged with. Now, the other individual who is, uh, who also was denied, um, he was being charged with counseling to, to commit mischief, as well as counseling to commit the offense of disobeying a court order and counseling to commit the offense of obstructing police. And his bail has been denied and he's one of the far-right extremist racists. Now he he wants out of he wants out of jail too. Right? Because he's afraid that he's going to get jailhouse covid. But wasn't this whole thing about lifting mandates and lifting restrictions? So I guess he would have no problem being in a crowded bar, being in a crowded restaurant, being in a crowded arena, no social distancing, no mask wearing, but somehow he's afraid to get jailhouse COVID. In a crowded jail. It's kind of like an oxymoron, isn't it? <laughs> you know, when I was reading that, as I, 
you gotta be kidding me. You know. So out of five people, I guess, I could probably count six people who are, I think four, four are still in, four are still in jail, being held without bail. So she is one of 122 individuals charged with Ontario provincial offenses in connection with the Ottawa occupation. And like I said, uh, yeah, he was uh, Pat King. He's the far right, far right extremist racist, one of them, of Red Deer. Faces three charges, including counseling, commit mischief, counseling, disobey a court order, and counseling to, uh, to uh, obstruct police. Another one. He faces five charges, including mischief, counseling to commit mischief, counseling to disobey, uh, disobey a court order, <clears throat> obstruct police, and counseling to obstruct police. And he too was denied bail and still remains in jail. Now, People can say what they want. I live here in Canada. See, a protest, a lawful protest, is something that you're disgruntled about, you want to be heard. You make your up your little sign on what you want it to say. And you pray it around in circles, chanting whatever you're going to chant. And then you go home. That's a lawful protest. Barricading roadways with barricades, vehicles, trucks, whatever the case may be, even under the Highway Traffic Act, that's illegal. You can't barricade anything, any infrastructure. Blocking the international crossings between Canada and the United States is also illegal. Barricading is illegal. Preventing somebody else's rights and freedoms and obstructing their rights and freedoms. Businesses were not able to open. People were not able to go to work. People couldn't leave their homes safely without being harassed or ridiculed or threatened because they were wearing a mask. People were jumping up and down on the war memorial in the tomb of the unknown soldier 
and defecating on it. Defacing the Terry Fox monument. Threatening others. Blowing their air horns day and night. And these organizers did nothing about that. Because they didn't care because they were there for their own agenda. That is not a peaceful protest. Now, with these uh, GoFundMes, that uh, all this money was raised. Not only was it GoFundMe had to testify here today in the House of Commons in Ottawa, and along with Give, Send, Go, who was their second choice to raise funds because GoFundMe had terminated that funding. Now, and the reason why they did this, I mean, you know, when people set up GoFundMe's, I mean, you put in all your information, what the cause is for, and hopes you can raise money to help somebody. Now, the reason why they canceled these, GoFundMe canceled it, was because all the illegal things that were going on. They weren't, the organizers weren't being upfront So from February the 2nd through February the 4th, they heard from local authorities that what had begun as a peaceful movement had shifted into something else. And they shared the reports of violence and threatening behavior of these individuals associated with the movement. And it was at that point, GoFundMe announced that it would, re, that it would reimburse funds raised to the donors. But they did release a million. So now, geez, now once they found out that, oh, GoFundMe, you know, it's not going to, you know, be the platform anymore, they turned to this other organizer. It's a Christian website, Give Send Go to host their second fundraising campaign. These are the organizers. These very organizers who I'm telling you 
are just far-right extremists. And they had, they had raised like $9.5 million from this Give, Send, Go. So Give, Send, Go also appeared virtually before the committee today. And then the American co-founders fielded questions about why they continue to allow the convoy hours to raise funds on their site given the illegal actions by the protesters. Right? Protesters blocked the, blocked the downtown Ottawa for three weeks, shuttering businesses and disrupting residents. So the co-founder of this Give, Send, Go argued that the federal government should have contacted Give, Send, Go directly to flag concerns about this, of the source of funding. And if you were so concerned about Give, Send, Go and what we were allowing, she says, I don't know why no one reached out to us to ask us to take a look. Are they so blindsided? I mean, did they not know why GoFundMe stopped the, the, the funding? Did they not watch the news and then read papers? Oh, why didn't the federal government contact us? So this person from Give, Sand, Go says, if the prime minister had spoken directly with the truckers' protests, a lot of this would not have been, this would have been avoided. Well, your opinion really doesn't matter in this case because the prime minister doesn't have to address it. Period. So after some time, as this Karen Carnival went on with their big top and their bouncy castles and their inflatable hot water tubs and loud music and blaring horns 24-7. Over 600 vehicles barricading the roadways around Parliament Hill. The federal government then then enacted the Federal Emergency Act. And mostly to support the police efforts in and around Parliament Hill to clear out the convoy encampment. It also required the CrowFundMe platforms to comply with Canada's financial reporting rules, which you would have no choice but to do that under the Federal Emergency Act, and authorize the banks to freeze accounts it suspected was involved with the illegal blockades. So all of those organizers had their bank accounts frozen. All that money the courts are hanging on to it 
And while the Emergency Act had been had, has been revoked, like over a week ago now, and the committee asked both GoFundMe's and GoSendGo whether they be, would be prepared to comply with the financial transactions and reports analyst Center of Canada rules should the government move to make the temporary order permanent. GoFundMe's general counsel, will, uh, this person said the company will cooperate and welcomes the opportunity to work the government to pinpoint and address concerns about reporting processes. Give, send, go said, we're going to do everything that we're required by law to do in order to keep our platform viable because they are also known, give, send, go, ladies and gentlemen, we're also known and allowing the Proud Boys to use that platform to raise money for their own cause. If you don't know who the Proud Boys are, they're a far-right extremist. See, the Proud Boys up here in Canada are now on the terrorist list. See, when Canada invoked the Federal Emergency Act, that arm of the law stretched out all over the world. That anybody tried to send send any funds, it would be blocked immediately. And that any other GoFundMe's around the world, but then it would have to comply with Canada's laws. It also prevented from setting up shop at any other borders because they took those down as well. The one in Coots, Alberta, prior before the Emergency Act was invoked. The RCMP was tipped off that there were far right extremists, extremists amongst that group that had weapons. It was a good thing that they got tipped off because during the raid, they found weapons, ammunition, and body armor. And they were prepared to go to war with the cops. See, the province of Ontario, even at the time when the federal government invoked the Federal Emergency Act, the Premier of Ontario also invoked the Provincial Emergency Act. And that gave all the powers to the police to take down those barriers at the Ambassador Bridge that separates Canada and the United States, Detroit and Windsor. And to prevent anybody else 
who wanted to try to attempt it. That it would just land your ass in jail. There was nothing legal about this protest. It was an unlawful occupation. Now, with the one who had her hearing yesterday, I guess there's some family members who are going to put up their, their, their surety for her. Something like $7,500 or something like that. that they would make sure that she would not be on any social platforms provoking anything not to be in contact with any of the other organizers not to be texting on her cell phone any of this crap. And are they prepared? I mean, if you, if you had to put bail up for somebody, a family member or friend, a cousin, whatever, are you prepared to call police if they break any of the bail conditions? Because remember, you're the one who put the bail up. Is her family members prepared to call the police on her if she breaks any of the bail conditions, if she is granted bail coming this Monday? If she is granted. I wouldn't trust her as far as I could throw her. Any of these organizers. See, when all this began, ladies and gentlemen, this so-called trucker convoy, freedom convoy, convoy, which, you know, I sit back and, and laugh because people are hollering freedom in a free country. I knew about them even before this all happened. I heard about them. I've read about them. I knew who these organizers were. And there was no freaking way that they would see a dime of mine. Now, this all just started out with the truckers. But these organizers of these far-right extremists decided to piggyback their way to Ottawa on the backs of the truckers. 
and raise funds for their own agenda. Now you think about that for a moment. Even the 10 million. How much of that money do you think they're actually going to give to the truckers for food, fuel, and lodging? Enough to get there and get home. They they would have plenty of millions to fund their own cause. So they never seen any of that money, even that first million dollars they got was frozen. It's not in their hands. Give send go is not in their hands. And it won't be. The organizers are facing a $306 million lawsuit from the citizens in Ottawa. See, their troubles are just beginning. You know, when the um, money was seized from the Give, Send, Go and Give, Send, Go was saying, we don't, we don't comply with, with other people's, other countries' laws. You know, this money will get to the trucker convoy and all that crap. Well, guess they found out in a hurry under the Federal Emergency Act. They don't have that money. You know, I was out here the other day, you know, you know, and I mentioned to you, you know, how ridiculous you think about it and how stupid it really sounds when you're yelling freedom in a free country. Take a look what's going on in this world, ladies and gentlemen. And you think you got it so goddamn bad? You know, with all these restrictions and all that shit, you think you got it so goddamn bad? Here you have Russia attacking the Ukraine. Because Putin wants it back. A sovereign country in Ukraine is going to lose their freedom. You didn't lose your freedom. 
North Korea, China. They don't have any freedom. Go there and bitch about your freedom. Go there and holler freedom. And you'll disappear. You can't speak out against that government in North Korea. You can't speak out against that government of China. You can't speak out with the government in Russia. Because you and everybody else would just simply disappear. And you whine and bitch and cry. And somehow you've lost your freedoms. Absolutely ridiculous. And oh, by the way, here in Ontario, the largest province of, of Canada, has lifted all of its restrictions except for the mask mandate here in the province of Ontario. And they're talking about lifting that, the last one to go, by the end of March. Now what the rest of the country of Canada is doing, that's entirely up to that province of what they're going to do and when they're going to do it. And I see the odd vehicles driving around. They got the Canadian flag flapping in the wind. A big sign across the front of their of their pickup truck. You know, then they got a Confederate flag. And it says freedom. Freedom. I'd like to take that vehicle and just smash it into a wall. See, the problem is, ladies and gentlemen... You know, we're born in North America or you're born in Europe or whatever like that. You have you have your your freedoms and liberties that you take for granted. Every day of your life you took it all for granted. Under the charters under the charter of freedoms and rights here in Canada they're not absolute. I've talked about this before. The government would have to show why these restrictions are necessary. Pandemic. They did the same thing in 1917 during the Spanish flu. Shuttered businesses, closed schools. Stay home orders. Social distance. 
They did all these things. Even some places in North America, people couldn't even walk outside their house to walk down the street without a mask on. That didn't happen here. But if you felt compelled to wear the mask outside, then you wore the mask outside because you felt good. You felt safe. Quite frankly, I don't care if you get the vaccine or not. I really don't care. That's, that's, that's your business. But when it comes to health care, nursing homes, retirement homes, hospitals, mandates were put in place, not by the government, but by those institutions. Health and safety policies. And then even the big three automakers out there followed suit, Ford, Chrysler, and General Motors mandated that all employees be vaccinated. Big corporations, City of London, Ontario, anybody who worked for the city, Put it in their health and safety policy. It must be vaccinated. But where it should really, really count, I feel personally, my opinion, mandated is in these high risk settings, such as nursing homes, retirement homes, and hospitals. to be vaccinated. I've always been vaccinated. I mean, it's my choice, right? Every year I get the flu shot. And sometimes, not all the times, you know, I feel that, 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 like, chill and you know, feel like, uh, you know, get a headache, body aches, even though I got the flu vaccine. Not all the time, but sometimes. Could be the strain of the flu. Being fully vaccinated from this virus, somewhere, somehow, I came in contact with somebody who was infected. I got COVID. That was back beginning of the new year. I had an extremely sore throat 
I had a cough and sinus congestions and my ears were plugged. I tested positive. Those were my symptoms. Other people had the headache, the body chills, the fever. Mine, with what I've just told you what I had, persisted for almost 10 days. People can argue about it all day long. Oh, man, you got COVID and you, and, and, and you got vaccinated. Oh, vaccine shit doesn't work. Well, you can say, you can say the same thing for the flu shot. Get the flu shot, come down with the flu. Oh, the damn flu shot don't work. Ah, shit. What was the point of getting that? Well, it kept me out of the hospital. So I guess it did its job. But some people still weren't so lucky. Even though they got vaxxed. They ended up in the hospital. Because they got other problems going on. You can argue about that all day too. They got other problems going on. So as we're moving out of this, and we are, I said that here in the province of Ontario, that, you know, pretty much all the restrictions have been lifted. Now, even with the vaccine certificate, Proof of vaccination, if you're going to go to a restaurant or whatever like that, that's been lifted too. But businesses can still opt in and still require you to show proof of vaccination. And it has nothing to do with the government. Because the government's lifted those mandates. But businesses can choose, and there are businesses out there who are choosing that you show proof that you're vaccinated. And the high-risk settings, whether they're uh, provincially ran or independently owned, They still have mandates. And understandably so. I mean, we're dealing with the most vulnerable people in our society. And that's the elders. Spring break is, I think, two weeks away. Kids will be out out of school for a week. And 
could be like a week after that, a week and a few days after that, that all mask mandates will be lifted. And we're just going to have to just live with this. March 1st was the day that, you know, all these restrictions were lifted. I know people, you know, we grew impatient, frustrated, angry. I'm sure they all felt the same way back in 1917 going through the Spanish flu. Hello. These mandates and these restrictions are not being lifted because these organizers of this so-called freedom convoy, as I call it, the Karen Carnival. We here in Ontario, Canada, we're going through this three-stage of lifting these restrictions. Some of it came a little bit earlier than expected, which is nice to see. But we already had in place of when these restrictions were going to be lifted. And if these organizers didn't like it, Too bad. The government, you know, the provincial government, was not budging because you said so. And you didn't say please. Now it's just, you know, it's a wait and see. You remember two years ago, ladies and gentlemen, two years ago, well, right, even here in Canada, two years ago, almost to the day that we went into hard lockdown. in and out of lockdowns. And it always seemed to be around the fall time coming into the winter and getting through the hard, long winters and cases just mounting, hospitalizations increasing. We're not far off from spring. March 20th is spring. And cases are declining at a rapid pace.
We'll go through the springtime. We'll go through the summertime. What's going to happen in the fall time? Will we, we see increases like we've seen? Maybe we will. Maybe we, we, we won't. I don't know. Is it going to be restrictions put in place? I hope not. Because it comes down to us, right? It comes down to me and you and everybody on how we behave, our behavior. Because we need one another. We're human beings. We need one another. We need that social. It's natural for us. We have to have it. Can't be apart for periods of time. We're just not built like that. So once these mask mandates come off at the end of March or near the end of March, it's got to be the end of it. Even our top doctor of Ontario says it's something we're just going to have to live with. Maybe at some point in time, it'll just fizzle away. May not be right away, might be a year or two, then it'll just fizzle away. I don't know. Or we're just going to have this sporadic outbreaks. And we just live our lives. Go about our everyday normal business. And hopefully there isn't another pandemic anytime soon when this becomes an endemic. And we're pretty close to it being an endemic. So all this nonsense going on with this stuff, with these protests, call it what you want, but it was an occupation. Started out as a protest, ended up being an occupation, which is illegal. People got arrested people being charged, people sitting in jail. People had their cars and trucks towed away. Businesses had their operating licenses revoked. Plates from their vehicles, trucks seized. Was it harsh enough? I hope they learned the lesson. 
If you're going to protest, do it lawfully. Do it peacefully. Say your peace and then go home. And then when the election comes around, go vote. We have a spring election coming up. I think it's in May for the pro, for, for the province of Ontario. And I vote. I vote in the federal election. I vote in the pro, in the provincial and the municipality. Now, I mean, I don't get, you know, whoever I vote for, you know, doesn't always get elected. But I've tried, I voted. Put my X and I vote. I've never felt the need to go to a protest. I don't know why. I've never in my entire life have been to a protest. I just never felt the need when it comes to government or anything really. I've never, I've never been to a protest. I've never been to a big movement. But if you want to go out and protest, you you know, and if you want to, you know, go out and make donations for a cause, Ukraine could really use our help. Whether it's a money donation, whether it's a non-perishable food donation, they need sanitation items, toothbrushes, toothpaste, soap. They might even need diapers for the little ones. Well, there was a good cause right there to go out and protest against this war. Maybe with all these sanctions that countries around the world are putting on Russia, maybe we'll be able to choke them off. I don't know. But this war is not justified. It's uncalled for and it's horrific. So you want to protest about something. Protest and pray for the Ukraine. And stop taking your liberties and freedoms for granted. Because you haven't lost anything. So I want to thank you for joining me this evening, ladies and gentlemen. 
It is 9.39 p.m. here in Ontario, Canada. Enjoy, well, I guess tomorrow's the end of the week. That's a good thing. We made it. We made it past hump day. Tomorrow's Friday, the last day of the week, coming into the weekend. So, enjoy. Enjoy your freedom. And I will be back out. Saturday morning at 9 a.m. here on the Truckers Podcast. Oh, you know what I want to talk about? Yeah, this is a good one to talk about. A couple things anyways, but this one in particular. Um, the countries who works the longest hours in a week. And there was one other one on here. I thought I had it ahead of that one, but that's okay. I'll find it. But particularly that one, you know, kind of interesting. I went through it and, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. The countries who work the longest hours in a week. So hopefully you can join me this Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Because I am Canadian. And I am from Ontario, Canada. So thank you. And thank you for the likes. Thank you for joining me. Always a pleasure to have you out here. Always. This is the Truckers Podcast, FYI. I am your host, Mike Montero, Canada. Take care.